This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So I want to do something that it's going to sound like a 30 for 30 trailer, but just hear me out here. What if Michael Jordan isn't the greatest player of all time? And I know what you're thinking. It's not LeBron either. Not even Kobe. What if I told you that Charles Barkley is one of the worst people to ever lace up basketball shoes because he didn't win a title? Talking about title and rings culture today, and it's something that has always really made me mad ever since I see people bring it up. Like, if you watch Inside the NBA, you'll see Shaq clown Charles about it all the time when Charles was by far and away the be- one of the best players of his generation, if only Michael Jordan wasn't in that generation. And it's always just something that I've always wanted to think about and just talk about, get... We're just going to air out dirty laundry today. So as I said, like, Michael Jordan is not the greatest player of all time if you're going by rings. And that argument has always just, in general, made me mad because there's so, so many different people. Like, there's a bunch of people that you probably never heard of on those Celtics teams that have 10 rings. If you're going by rings, Bill Russell is by far and away the greatest player of all time. He has 11. It's the most in any sport for a player. And pretty much people say, oh, yeah, he was pretty good, but, you know, Wilt was better. Is is he, though? Because Wilt had, what, one championship compared to Russell's 11? So if you're going by rings, Russell's better. But everyone knows that Wilt Chamberlain is the better player. He averaged 50 points per game in a season. He had 100 points in a game. He has the most uh, 50-point games. And he's beaten Michael Jordan by, like, I don't know, 50 in terms of games. So it's always been someone where I'm just like, this argument makes no sense. Because some of the greatest players ever didn't get a ring just because of circumstance. Like, Larry Bird had a ton of rings because he's surrounded by a bunch of good players. I'm not I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But without those players, he doesn't really win that much. If you look through the battles, like Dominique Wilkins is an example. He ran to a buzzsaw of Larry Bird every year, and those battles were great to watch. But now when you look at Dominique, oh, you say, oh, yeah, he was a good dunker. That was it. I mean, yeah, I guess he was an okay player. He made a ton of all-star games. Yes, he's one of the greatest dunkers ever. That's We can't let that slip by, but... Don't let his play slip by either because he was one heck of a player and those battles against Larry Bird in the playoffs were incredible. And also, then we go to like Stockton Malone. Yeah, they ran into Michael Jordan two years in a row. What are you going to do? And you can make the argument that in 98, they had the Bulls on the, on the ropes because to be honest, if Michael doesn't make that shot, the shot that we all know to win that sixth championship, I don't think the Bulls win in seven. Because what, that, I think that was game six of the finals. I don't think the Bulls win. The team was great, but I mean, like you, like you saw in the last dance, they were just so tired by the end of it that 
I like, and they always argue, oh yeah, we would have went for seven. I don't really think so because that's just emotionally and physically draining because you're playing in the June for three years. You want to go into June again for four. And also the year after that was a lockout year. So, and the finals matchup was the Spurs with a young Tim Duncan and a decent and a decently uh, injury-free David Robinson at that point. And the Knicks, who were the eighth seed, but they had like Larry Johnson, Latrell Sprewell, Allen Houston. All these guys had a young core around them. And I don't think the Bulls would have been able to do it, especially playing what they had to play 50 games in like three months. Something like that. And the same goes for Charles. Charles Barkley is the second greatest player of that era from like 84 to let's just call it 98 because that's like when Jordan was around. He's by far the second best player to be in that era. Because like Magic was good. Magic Johnson was good for up until, like, 91. But Charles, once he got out of uh, Philadelphia, went to Phoenix, he was by far and away the best player in the league, not named Michael Jordan. And even Charles tells a story where on the Dream Team, it was after, like, a practice, and Chuck Daly, head coach, he was head coach of the Pistons, but he was coaching the Dream Team, said... Charles, you are the second, but you are the second greatest player I've ever seen. He's like, who's one? And he's like, Michael Jordan. I, like it was an obvious thing. I'm like, all the stars think they're great, but like, for Charles to hear that it was very shocking to him, and you can see why. Just how he was just so dominant at that time. He was very quick for his size, like six six, like two forty, something like that. Just very quick and just he was on that he's riding on the coattails essentially of uh that championship season eighty three for the Sixers where Dr. J was on like essentially his last legs. Pretty much the only thing Dr. J did after that point was uh just punch Larry Bird in that one fight where Charles Barkley was holding him. But Charles says that he was trying to pull him away. But and, you know, Moses, he bounced around the league until, I don't know, Moses played a long time. And just all these players, it's all just on circumstance. They happen to run into Michael Jordan. If you look at all the players that Jordan's had to beat, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. And the Sonics could have had a good run at the Bulls if Gary Payton would have played Jordan the whole t- series. It wasn't until, like, game three where Gary Payton said, I'm going to guard Michael Jordan. You had those great Pacers teams. Reggie Miller is one that always stands out to me when who is the greatest play, one of the greatest players to never win a ring. Reggie doesn't get credit. Well, one, he was in Indiana, this is one of the smallest markets there is in the league, but no one really wanted to give Reggie his due because... He was essentially, without Michael Jordan there, he in the playoffs, essentially, 
Pacers teams did really good and just had to get past the Knicks at first. Just that Eastern Conference, the whole league was stacked, but that Eastern Conference throughout all the 90s wasn't insane. You had Shaq and Penny and the Magic, Reggie and the Pacers, just so many teams. And Reggie's legacy goes way undersaid. He brought the state of Indiana back into caring about the NBA because at that point, when Reggie was drafted in 1987, it was all IU. Not even really Purdue was in the mix yet. They were getting there. That was right when the three amigos were coming in. But those teams, they led... The headlines, like the Pacers were on like the back page of the sports page until Reggie Miller comes in, takes a couple years to get there. But once we get Rick Smith, and we had Detlef Shrimp for a little bit, but then traded him, Reggie cared. And he, the best thing about Reggie, he cared enough to stay with the Pacers. He could have left, no question. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's from, well, he's from a military family, so he like bounced around. But Went to UCLA. His sister went to USC. And he decided to stay in Indiana, which I thank him for every single day. Because without Reggie, who knows that the Pacers even have a franchise? Because the Pacers had a telethon to save the team, like right when they got into the NBA. And they... Like, I think they barely made it to their goal. And at that point, and everyone was upset because we drafted Reggie over Steve Alford because he's an Indiana guy. And uh, honestly, thank God we did that because Alford was not that great. But everyone was fed up with the Pacers at that point. Like, why are we drafting this guy from UCLA that no one knows about? When we have Steve Alford right here, and we know who he is, homegrown, it'd be great. So Reggie's one of those players that I think he needs to have his due more. He's sure he's in the Hall of Fame. There are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that I don't know that much about. At one point, I remember saying, "I was." This is kind of crazy to me, but every now and then when I'm bored, I'll go through the uh, Nate Smith Hall of Fame. And when they have the Hall of Famers, they have just a random selection. And I'll, like, guess who they are. I Again, I get super bored, and I have nothing else to do. But at one point, I remember, you know, why is Dino or Dino Raja in the Hall of Fame? Because when I think of Dino Raja, I think on the Celtics, he wasn't that great. But you got to remember all the international stuff that these guys do. And that's what gets them into the hall. They're so important to their country, to maybe even the continent. I don't even, I'm not 100% sure, but what they mean to their place where they're from is all that matters. And Reggie, yes, he did that with Indiana, but he was good, man. He was really good. But there's this, and he's just one of those guys who ran to Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, same thing. Just 
a million different people all ran into Michael Jordan. And people just go, oh, yeah, well, I got two rings to your one, so uh, you can essentially just, you don't matter. And that's just not okay because, like, people will be lost in history because they didn't accomplish anything. I felt like Elgin Baylor was that way, but when he passed away, everyone was like, oh, I love Elgin. He was great. You, you really didn't care about him until he died because he didn't win anything, although he brought his team to, like, I don't know, eight championships to the series. Nah, he didn't win, so I don't care. It's like, who, it's like Elgin who? Yeah, I'll go with uh, John Havlicek. He's way better. And don't get me wrong, Hondo, great player, but Elgin was one of the not founding members of the league because, like, that's go George Mikan, but Elgin was one of the most important figures in the early NBA when no one really cared. And he brought it forth, scoring 61 in the playoffs, I believe, because Jordan scored 63. 20 years later and beat it out. And yet we're still like, eh, Elgin, whatever. So when you look at these players, I can, there's a whole list of them. Like on Bleacher Report, they have a whole list. Like Dominique's on there. Reggie, AI, AI just, he didn't have enough around him. And he was really good. And even though he was, he played in like 2000, that was like his peak essentially because he made it to the finals that year or 2001 he just goes he just goes by the wayside like even he's that recent and people are like i mean i guess he was good but i think uh just other point guards are better like jason kidd's better yeah jason kidd won one ring in 2011 because he was with Dirk, and I, sure, he would led the team, kind of. But, I mean, like, Jason Terry had quite a bit of plays on that team, too. Jason Terry better than Steven, Steve Nash or Allen Iverson? No. Steve Nash, he was a two-time MVP. And Shaq would be like, oh, yeah, but he didn't win any rings, so the MVPs don't matter. What are you talking about? You're just mad because Steve Nash won it over you. And that's, I feel like that still gets in the Shaq's head sometimes. Man, Steve Nash actually won MVP over me. This six foot three, quick dude who really, I mean, he could shoot, he could score a little bit, but man, his passes were amazing. Shaq is the most dominant player, not named Wilt Chamberlain. And he's, he's still upset that he didn't win. I honestly find that hilarious. But Warren's list. Stockton already went through him. Carl Malone is the second leading scorer of all time. And up there in assists, I think he's top five in assists. He's up there. He uh, he just ran to Michael Jordan. And we saw when Malone won MVP, Jordan just got really mad. And he just, well, like everyone, he took a per- I took that personally against Carl Malone. Now, Carl Malone, as a person, he's, I do not, I just, 
if you don't know, look it up. It's uh, it's terrible. But I'm just warning you right now, Carl Malone is not the best person. But on the floor, that guy could play. And we're like, eh, I mean, like, Kevin Garnett's better. Which, there is an argument. I've, I like Garnett better on defense, but on the offensive side, like, that Stockton Malone pick and roll was unbelievable. That's something that I would... I would have paid money to actually see like if I'm a, if I'm alive and like, I don't know, 96, something like that. And the jazz are coming to Indiana. I'm going to watch Stockton Malone. Yeah. I'm going for to watch Reggie and all those guys too, but like the Stockton Malone pick and roll. It's why Stockton is number one assists. It's why Malone is number two in scoring. And that pick and roll will go down in history. And it has. Uh, other people on this list. Yeah, George Gervin. George Gervin was the smoothest guy ever. And I wish that I had, I wish I was able to watch more on him. Really, all I know is the finger roll and just. How he was so smooth. I mean, he he's called the Iceman for a reason. He was so cold. But one thing I want to see is that Virginia Squires team in the ABA. I think Gervin and Dr. J were on the team at the same time. What was that like? That would be amazing to see. And probably next week I'll talk about, like, well, if I could go back in time, what would be a place I would go to? That would be it for sure. Because the ABA, there's so much unknown. Pete Maravich, he's a legend. I. It's so sad that he passed as early as he did. But, uh, man, he was... You want to talk about... Gervin was smooth. Pistol Pete was flashy. Like, Steve Nash is flashy. Pistol Pete is flashy on a whole nother level. Just the amount of different moves he had, and and it goes without saying, he's an awesome scorer. He played 10 years in the NBA, so he didn't get that many points in the NBA as much as what he should have. But in college, I think he's still the leading scorer all time. I think DJ Ballantyne of Evansville made a run at it a couple years ago. I don't know if he passed him or not. but And that was without two-pointers for a pistol. Because one of his assistant coaches, I think he went back through all the game logs and charted the shots, and he would have had, like, I don't know, I think it was, like, 2,000 more points or some some insane amount of number. He would have had more if there was a three-point line. Absolutely insane. And, again, he goes, no one really knows that much about Pistol Pete. And I don't know why. Because this is one of those guys, again, I wish I could find more film on him. I wish more people cared about him. Because, man, he's one of the greatest. And I don't think that many people know who he is, let alone what he's done. Alex English led all people in scoring. For the eighties, just doesn't. I don't. I guarantee no one knows about Alex English. 
He's the leading scorer in the 80s where you had like six years of Michael Jordan, all of Larry Bird's years, all of Magic's years were in the 80, were essentially in the 80s. He led the league in scoring throughout all the 80s. Reggie Miller patterned his game off of Alex English. And no one cares. Just because didn't win a ring. Dikemi Matumbo, I mean, greatest shot blocker you'll ever see. I guarantee people only know him now for the Geico commercials. And uh, and he was good, too. He led the Nuggets past the Sonics. I think that was the first ever eight seed to beat a one in the playoffs back when they had a five-game series. That the video, that's what always comes to mind when I think of Dikembe. Him on the floor, like, I can't, I think he's laughing, but he's also, like, crying at the same time. Just on the floor holding the basketball. And, again, people are just like, eh, Shaq's better. He's got a few rings. Let's do that. Like, and you cannot think of a better defensive player, like, around the rim than Dikembe. Now, Will might have one argument for it, but they didn't really chart blocks when he was around. Same with Bill Russell. Bill Russell was really good blocking, especially in college. He did a lot but all these players just goes without saying, like all these players are in the Hall of Fame. Like they've done, they've done their part in the sport and they've been recognized for it. But just some people will just be like, eh, I don't really think it's that good. You know, based on rings, that like Robert Ori is better than Michael Jordan. Robert Ori has seven rings. Like he had two with the Rockets, three with the Lakers, and probably two with the Spurs. I think he got some in there. Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory, is better than Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all those guys, just based on rings. So with that, just stop saying people are better because of their rings. Like, to be honest... If the rings debate wasn't so heavily dealt into it, LeBron's probably even with Jordan at this point. I'm just going to be honest. Do I think it'll be that way in the end? Probably not because people are just so hesitant to change their mind on that. And like the last dance documentary kind of sealed Jordan for the most part as the greatest, but... Man, what LeBron has just been able to do over so long, and I think that's what Bill Simmons said at one point. If LeBron wants a shot at competing with Jordan for the GOAT because the whole rings debate is in there, he has to do it through time. LeBron's going on his 18th year. He's 38? No, 37, I think. And he's still going like it's 2005. And he's added more to it. He's added a shot to his game. Go back to, like, Cleveland LeBron. Other than, like, that one playoff game against the Pistons, you don't see him shooting that much. 
You don't see it with the Heat either. You kind of saw it with the Cavs in his second stint, but it wasn't enough to really say, oh, he's get, he's really improving at it. When he got to L.A., he just, that shot is insane now. But anyways, I get players now chasing for rings because it is what it boosts your legacy. But if you're just a solid player and you just happen to run into the best buzzsaw ever, like the Warriors of a few years ago, like what the Lakers look like now or what the Nets look like now, like Giannis... His legacy is already better, not only because he won the ring to our people, but what he had to go through. He had to beat the Nets. If he would have beat the Lakers, he's an he's already pretty much an all-timer now in Milwaukee, but he's an all-timer throughout all of NBA just because of what he did to get that ring. But there are really good players who do not get rings, and they go... Un, they just go forgotten, and it's been making me mad for so long. And, uh, yeah, that's all I want to talk about this week. So stop saying that people are better because of their rings. just doesn't make sense. So that'll be it for this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. I want to do more topics like this just because I don't want to be in our sports center. I don't really want to follow the news as much. So I have some topics uh, on this doc here. Uh, if there's any others that you think you would want to listen to, uh, go ahead and uh, tag me on Twitter, just suggesting these ideas. And I also want to see if I can get into like doing player like profiles of some people that are very important in my basketball life. So if you have any suggestions for players, and I'm not talking about like the mainstream players. I mean, I have some of them in here, but others are like college basketball legends that I like high school legends that I like from Indiana so if you have any suggestions with that again just tag me on Twitter I will try and get the get to those and uh, yeah that's pretty much it follow me on Twitter at deverhard 0 and we will talk to you next week peace thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University learn more at trine.edu 